Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. This morning, um, if I've got my... uh, Can I just get my remote control? Uh, If you could put up my uh, PowerPoint, that would be great. Uh, Keith, if you could go to the PowerPoint and then I'll come back to that. Uh, There are actually... Five values that um, the leadership sat down with thought, well, what, what values represent the life of New Heart as we know it? Not ones we want to do, but ones that we see actually happening. And in the last couple of weeks, we, before um, the group that uh, shared with us about stories last week, we talked about always Jesus. Jesus is front and centre, central and the most important uh, thing that, and value that we have uh, we read from Colossians chapter 1 that he is in all things. He's, he started it. He was there before it. He started all things and he will be there at the end. He holds everything together and through him everything we made. But to this week and the last week we're talking about stories matter. Stories matter because stories rep- represent us. Each person has a story. Each story represents a life and for God... Every life matters. So if you're here this morning and you have a low self-esteem, um, thank you um, to, uh, where is he? Viv. I think he's just gone out the back. Um, yeah, thank you, Viv, for what you shared in reflection on last week's uh, lesson. You know, I, I really believe that we need to always reflect about what we're learning with each other. In life groups, one of the things that you can celebrate is how when God taught you something, you reflect on how that has changed your life and how that became a part of your life. When something becomes a part of your life, it changes your story. And your story, when Jesus becomes a part of your life, it changes the story. I celebrate my 50th year as a Christian this year and I go back that time when I was eight years old where Jesus changed my life. He came into my life. He changed my life. And so we're going to be talking about stories matter. But before we we do that, um, we're going to read a passage about a man whose name we do not know. In fact, in one of the stories that's told in the Gospels, it's actually two men. But in this story, in Mark's account, it's one man that they center on. And we don't know his name. Um, We don't... We're not given his name. In fact, there's quite a number of people. Have you noticed there's quite a number of people when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, where their names aren't said? Remember the little boy who um, they said, um, Jesus said, uh, feed them. And, he, and they said, oh, we've got no food. And they well, what have you got? Here, this little kid. <laughs> He's got five loaves and two fish. He's just a little boy. He gets put forward. And Jesus said, that... that That'll, that'll, and Jesus goes, that'll do. That's enough. That's all I need. And then there's the woman that, that um, anoints Jesus' feet with, breaks a jar open and perfume and gets her hair and washes Jesus. Her name's not mentioned. And then there's the blind man, and there's very few names. Why? Have you ever asked why they didn't? They knew, obviously knew these people. Well, may, maybe they didn't. Maybe they got healed and they sort of went off and goes, do you remember that guy's name? No, he's just a blind man. Uh, The woman, the Samaritan woman, her story, what's her name? 
We just get her name, Samaritan woman. This is what I think. The gospel writers didn't want people chasing people. They wanted people chasing Jesus. You know, as, as humans, we're really good at exalting humans and chasing their stories. And you know what I want to be? As a disciple of Jesus, I want my story to reflect Jesus' story. I want his name to be bigger than my name. I want my name to be in the background. I want his name. I would rather that people don't know my name and they know Jesus in me. And they go, oh, that guy. You know, remember that guy? That guy that... Full on for Jesus, just loved Jesus, loved me, prayed for me, got better. I don't know his name, but he was a really great guy. <laughs> but Jesus, I met Jesus through that guy. So uh, we lost my slide. Have we, have we carked it? Are we back on? Will you give me a little bit more time? I'm just. So stories matter. Uh, let me tell you a story um, about. So we're going to read a story from Mark chapter 5. You can turn to that. It's about. Um, Jesus taking his disciples to the other side of the Lake of Galilee. And when we were in, in Galilee and went on a boat, I could just imagine Jesus going, let's go to the other side, because you can actually see the other side. And it's not that far. And so Jesus would go, oh, let's go over to there. And he went to a place called the Decapolis, which is 10 cities. And this was a place where there was lots of mixed religion. There was synagogues, but there was also pagan religion going on. Uh, and you can tell that because you're about to hear a story where they, uh, people were looking after pigs. Now, Jews and pigs don't go together. All right, So Jews were, not, were instructed not to have anything to do with pork. And so the fact that they were herding pigs meant that they were either un, un, or disobedient Jews or people of a mixed race or people of a mixed religion or they were pagan. Uh, whatever the case, it wasn't cool. But anyway... Uh, how about we just do that? We'll read them. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, which is also known as Decapolis. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut, cut himself with stones. Now, interesting. What kind of person does that? A very deeply troubled person, right? It does appear from this story that this person was not harming others but harming themselves. Uh, this person was deeply, deeply traumatised and we we're about to find out that this wasn't so much mental illness but a demonic spirit had taken control, or actually many demons uh, had taken control of his life. And this guy went from... And he, it, it says in the story that he uh, had... The demons in him caused him to live alone, caused him to live naked... Uh, caused him to actually gave him supernatural power because you can't break iron chains. So this supernatural power he possessed and he was a frightening, probably lived uh, without clean, he was dirty, unclean. He was all the things that you don't want to be around. He was a nobody that nobody wanted to know. <laughs> okay? And I want, want you to get this. His story mattered. 
his story mattered. And every time you read a story in the Gospels of Jesus encountering a person, right, you get this idea, stories matter to Jesus because lives matter to Jesus. Jesus spoke to many crowds, but he always, the story, the biggest stories we've got are the stories where he individuals he comes face to face with individuals and we're all a crowd here but there are within this crowd are many stories and each one is precious to jesus i want you to get that you are precious to jesus your story can mean nothing to you but jesus wants you to know i can change your story i can change your story what is nothing to you can be turned for God and transform your life and your story so that it changes you and can change others. You need to know that. If you leave here with no other, other message today, your story matters. In the hands of Jesus, your story matters. Even before you knew Jesus, your story mattered. He will pursue you because he desires your story to be changed by his story. So when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This guy had two parts to him. There was him and there was the demonic powers in him. And there was a wrestle going on for his sanity. And in the, um, in the Chosen, there's a story uh, in season two of a demonic guy uh, who is one minute, his name is Caleb, one minute he's... Um, He's, they say, what is your name? And he goes, and he's trying to get his name out, but the demon keeps speaking, and then eventually he gets his name out, Caleb. And I guess this is what's happening with this guy. But he saw Jesus from a distance and ran and fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, and I wonder who's speaking here, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Was it the guy or was it the demons speaking? Demons. For Jesus had said to him. So we get the backstory now. So Jesus gets out of the boat, sees the naked man, right? Sees him running around, and he says to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Uh, when I watched that season, I can't remember what show, episode seven, and Jesus. Uh, actually comes this guy's this demonic guy is actually beating up somebody and jesus just walks into the camp and sees this happening he just says get out of him and the guy goes <laughs> i just went that's cool because he didn't have to say in the name of jesus <laughs> <laughs> but when you know jesus you can say get out of him and the demons know who owns you and Jesus asked him, what is your name? Because in, in ancient culture, to know someone's name, to, to, for someone to give you their name was a sign of coming under their authority. So they said, my name is Legion. He replies, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again and again to send them out of the area. And a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside and the demons begged Jesus, send us amongst the pigs, allow us to go into them. Classic, in that region, people were eating pigs, people were worshipping pigs, pigs were a symbol of paganism. And where did they want to go? 
They wanted to go into where they were comfortable. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Think about why were they afraid? They'd never seen something so powerful. But they were confronted because it all happened around their pigs. They had been exposed. So what did they do? What did people do when they were afraid? They hassle you. They harass you. They'll say bad things about you. They'll run away from you or they'll attack you. And this is what they did. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well, about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. It's sad, isn't it? Like instead of going, this guy is healed, he's completely sane and dressed for the first time. We know we've never seen him like this. They're afraid and their sin is exposed and they plead, Jesus, get away from us. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who'd been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Interesting. There was lots of people that were healed by Jesus, but at this one, he begged Jesus, can I come with you? I owe you my life. Can I come with you? And Jesus didn't say, come, follow me. This is what he said. He said, no, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Did he do it? How do you know? Next verse. (laughs) I got the control. (laughs) So the man went away. Yeah, you got the book. Read it for yourself. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. They saw it from themselves and they were afraid, but when the guy gets back into town, they were amazed. Their fear, they go from fear to amazement. But do you know how big this story went viral? Go to the next verse. And it says there, uh, Keith, I need verse 21. I can't get it to go. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, back to the place, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Do you know how large that crowd turned out to be? The next story is at the feeding of the 4,000. How many people had been told about the amazing thing that Jesus had done, that when the next time he went to that side of the lake, he was met with this large crowd who wanted to follow him. One guy, his story, who everybody was afraid of, everybody had tried to control him and help him or do whatever they could. He was somebody that nobody wanted to know, becomes a person 
whose life is so changed, everybody wants to know about how did you change. And his story matters. How many of you have a story like that? My name means Paul. It means little. As a human, my story is little. But I have this amazing God who takes little things and does big things with them. I'm not a superstar. I'm just an average normal guy. And Jesus has changed my life. And that means everything. You are no different to me. Every one of you. Your story matters. All we have to do is be like this man and be willing to allow Jesus to change our life and then be prepared to go and tell others about it. If we could go to my slide. Stories have a past. Throughout the scriptures you read once, Paul says in Colossians, once you were strangers and alienated from God. But, there's always a but, I love but. Three-letter word, very powerful, but Jesus. But Jesus. We all have a past, right? Let me just say this to you. When Jesus comes into your life, you are no longer defined by your past. You are defined by your future, and he gives you a new one. You're defined by what he did for you, not what you've done. You, the devil will want to bind you to your past, like in that story. That man was completely shattered. His life was completely shattered and he was bound. They tried to bind him with chains, but internally he was bound by spirits. And he was a write-off of a person. But Jesus was not worried about him whatsoever. He was not afraid of him, even though I think I would be afraid of someone running at me naked and screaming and speaking with a demonic voice. That would scare me. But Jesus was not scared and he spoke to him and said, Spirit, impure spirit, get out of him. And immediately that spirit was trying to negotiate with Jesus. Oh, I know who you are, Jesus. You are Jesus, son of the most high God. You know the demons know who lives inside you. They're actually more afraid of you than you should be of them. Because greater he, uh, is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have a past. You have a once. But that's not where it stays. You have a present now. Now. Paul talks about once you were like this, but now. People, we've got to live in the now of what Jesus is doing and has done in our life. When Jesus comes into your life, he changes your past he changes your present and he will actually has a hope and a future for you. You have a future. Your story has a past, but you are not defined by your past. You are defined by Jesus' now and your future. And it's defined actually by something that happened 2,000 years ago that you take hold of by faith. And then that faith, explodes in you this transforming power of Jesus' death and resurrection that becomes a part of your story and forever changes you. 
Do you know, I was thinking about my life and thinking about that one day I will die and I was thinking about my time on this earth and I was thinking about the fact, actually, my time on this earth will be forever but the earth that I know will be restored, brand new, forever and my life will be forever but I'm going to die still. But my story does not finish when this body runs out of juice. This body will die and decay, be cremated. That's probably how I'm going to go. But who cares? Because it will get re-resurrected and come back together in an eternal body that will not die. My story goes on. My story is eternal. And by the way, I don't think my story will be much different except there will be no sin, no death, no sickness, no Satan. So that takes out a lot of the problems that I've got. Think about that. Life without all those things could be pretty good. I think about the times that I'm spending with you and with others and going, do you know we get to talk in heaven? We get to think in heaven. We get to have ideas. We get to be creative. We get to enjoy one another. We get to enjoy Jesus. We get to eat. We get to drink. We get to do the things in an unpolluted, recreated planet that's off the dial. My story is just beginning right now. Right? It hasn't. <laughs> like, I am not defined by my past. And some of you might think your past prohibits you from a great future. Well, let me tell you, that's a crock. Everybody thought they got rid of Jesus who wanted Jesus dead. That was just the beginning, man. The grave didn't hold him down. He was just warming up, literally. (laughs) Jesus is the author and the finisher of faith, Hebrews 12 says. Our past can not be changed. But when Jesus changes our life, our story begins again. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He knew you when your story was rotten to the core. He knew you when you could not help yourself. He went, so I'm a better author than you are and I know how to finish your story so it finishes well. You want a bestseller? Jesus knows how to write bestsellers and each one of you here, you're a bestseller. (laughs) You like that? You're a bestseller, Linda. Your story with Jesus in it, you're a bestseller. And that story will actually be on the libraries of heaven forever. So good. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is a great author and can make our story a must-read. Who wants their story to be a must-read? I do. I want my story to be a must-read. And you know what the story I want? I don't want them to remember my name. I want them to get up here and to say stories about how Jesus changed their life because of me. I don't want at the eulogy, if I have a eulogy here, I want them to remember Jesus in me. Not me. I want to be the, the subtext. I don't want to be the main text. I don't want to be the headline. I want to be the footnote. I don't want to be the title. I want Jesus to get it all. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I am confident for each one of you that Jesus has a better story for us even now. I want more now. I want my story to get better. And the way I do that is make Jesus the most important 
part of my life every day. And as I submit to him, as he becomes bigger, I become lesser, as John the Baptist said, because Jesus, some of his disciples came to John the Baptist and said, you know, people are following Jesus more than you. And he goes, great. I came so that I could be less and he could be more. Well, that's saying true. It's like, I don't want people following Paul Butler. Forget that. What a joke. Your BC story was written by you and your AD story is written by Jesus. How cool is that? Oh, it's a really bad author. Your books and my books, they're not very good. Without Jesus, they're really, really poor stories. With Jesus, they are everything. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said about their faith, you are letters from Christ, written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of God carved on human hearts. When you start focusing on your bad story and that God can't use you, you think Jesus is too small. He is a fantastic author and he can rewrite your story and he can put stories in your life that you cannot explain and you cannot take credit for. <laughs> I love that. When Jesus does something through me, I can't go, yeah, I did that. How good am I? I go, no. Jesus is carving that story in my heart and he did it through me because I could never have done that. When you pray for someone to get healed and they get healed, guess what? You can't claim. You can't claim credit because no one human can heal someone miraculously. So God wants to use your story and to change someone else's life. This is the most powerful thing about the fact that your story matters to Jesus. Jesus wants desperately to change your story every day because every day he wants you to have a story to tell someone and that story because of God's amazing sovereignty have you ever thought about the fact that God is so sovereign that when he thinks about your future and what you're going to do that day he's thinking about the thousand people that you may intersect with on that day and he is able to, with your ability to choose where you go and what you do, and their ability to choose and what you do, that he's still able to get the right people at the right place at the right time to say or do something that could change their life. He's just so massive. It's mind-boggling. I mean, Lydia's story about the accident, you know, she talked about this much here and this much there. God goes, yeah, I do that all the time. He said, I'd have to do it. He said, you know that you could have gone that way, but you went that way. And when you went that way, you met the person I needed you to meet. Has that ever happened to you? That's because God is sovereign. And God wants to use your story. I'm getting some boom him um, there on um, God wants to use your story to change someone else's life. So God begins in you and the work that he does in you, he goes, now you share that. That man was forever changed. He was outside of everything. He was clothed. When Jesus finished with him, he was clothed and in his right mind. You know what we don't get is the conversation between the pigs going into the, into the ocean or into the Sea of Galilee 
The story being reaching the cities, the people coming back, there's hours of that story untold. And all we get is the end story where this guy is sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. What do you think Jesus has been talking to him about? For a couple of hours. Do you, do you think he's telling him about his father? Do you think he's telling him about what it is to be his follower? Do you think he's telling him about what God's plan and purpose for his life is in those hours that would change his life so much that he would go and become a, an evangelist from a, a madman to an evangelist, although some people say the evangelists are madmen. Simo's <laughs> a madman. God wants to use your story to change someone else's life. So, three things that you can do to do that. And it can start with a story of how God's changed your life today, yesterday, or last week. Or it could be how God changed your life forever. Whatever way, God wants you to be a letter that you can give to somebody that reveals his transforming power in your life. There are three things that you just simply need to do. You just need to tell people about your life before Jesus. How did Jesus get your attention? And finally, how has Jesus changed your life since he touched your life? Some of you have a very simple story, like my eight-year-old boy story. Some of you have got a story which was a seasonal story. And some of you have got a story where at one moment in time, all the pieces came together and you came face to face with Jesus. And you had this moment where you knew Jesus had come into your life and changed your life. I don't care which way your story falls. The fact is, is that if Jesus has changed your life, whether it be over a period of time or dramatically in one moment, you've got a story to tell. And that story begins, what was my life before? What led to that change in my life? Because Jesus usually brings about things into your life that lead you to question, lead you to ask, what is life about? It leads you to ask about where you're going and how you're writing your story and how badly you're doing at it. And then finally, when Jesus does change your life, how has that change come and made a difference in your life? Because people actually get really impacted when people who they know are able to tell that those three simple things, what my life was like before. It's easier, like Simo said, it's easier when someone who knew you before and then they see you changed and they go, man, you're so different. And they have to ask, what happened to you? Listen, when God does something supernatural in your daily life, people need to hear that. Because people don't believe that God is relevant and close and, and, is, and is somehow tangible in our life. When we say that we prayed and God did this, when we say that we saw God's work in our life and we tell a story about how that looks, people go, Oh. oh, so you're not just a believer in God. You actually think he interacts with you. Yeah, it's personal. It's not religion, man. It's personal. God is in my life. Stories matter. Your stories matter. And Jesus wants to transform you daily, weekly, and he wants to use your story to change other people's lives. I love that that man went into the Decapolis, told, told everybody what Jesus had done for him, and then when Jesus comes back to the other side, 4,000 people turn up to say, change me too.
And what happens to them? Right in front of them, they get to go out, get stuck in the wilderness with Jesus. Jesus, they run out of food. Jesus goes, don't panic. We've got food. Sit down. Let me feed you. And they go, just imagine if you were amongst those 4,000 people. You came back. You've heard the, de- the demoniac guy who's now him. Then you follow Jesus into the wilderness, ran out of food, and you're going, what's he going to do now? What are we going to do now? We followed this Jesus. So far, he hasn't done much. But he's said a lot of great things and all of a sudden they start handing out food and it feeds 4,000 people from a little boy's lunch. I know what I would be going back to the Decapolis and telling people about. I would be telling all those stories about how Jesus forever changed my life. And listen people, all those little stories, the little stories, the big stories that you've been hearing to other, keep telling them. Ask Jesus to give you an opportunity to tell those stories to people who don't know him so that they might know him and give glory to him. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends and my brothers and sisters here because I want to thank you first of all for every person who sits sitting down in front of me. I want to thank you for their story because their story matters so much to you because you love each one. I thank you that in your bigness, God, you're able to look at this group of people as individuals and then look at us as a group and go, I love you like that. You're a family to me and you love us like that. And then you step out a step and you look at all the churches meeting in this area and you go, I love them too. And then you step out a step and you look at all the people that are meeting around the world who call them themselves by your name and you say, I love them too. And then you step out of that and you go, I love every single human being on the face of this planet whether they love me or care about me or think about me or not. I love them and their story matters to me. I thank you that your heart is so big and so full for all of us. There is no one outside your scope, God. And I thank you for the story that forever changed my life and the lives of my brothers and my sisters in front of me this morning. And I thank you that, Lord, your Holy Spirit is going to fill them now with opportunities with with stories that you're going to change their life and they're going to begin to see you use their life to change the lives of others. I thank you for changing my life, Jesus. I am forever grateful and I will, with every breath and every step of my life, I would dedicate to be a storyteller of Jesus and his life in me. Amen.